Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Well, let's take your Bibles this evening, please. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. And thank you so much for letting our family be here this evening. It's a truly an honor for us to come to this church and to say thank you personally for what you have done for our family and for what you've done for the Hillview Baptist Church the last three and a half years. As Pastor mentioned a moment ago, we uh, planted the church this October before years. And to see what God has done has been truly, truly remarkable. It's His doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. And just to have a small part in what God is doing, to Him be all the glory, honor, and praise. And uh, we were setting our, our church up every single week in a school elementary cafeteria. And uh, in the hot summer months, in the frigid freezing uh, wintertime of Surprise, Arizona, of I think it's 65 degrees or something like that. We battled the cold weather, you know. And uh, God miraculously opened a door of opportunity for us this past uh, springtime for us to be able to begin the process of purchasing a building. And it's a remarkable story that I love sharing because it's the hand of God every step of the way. We, last year during COVID, because of us meeting in elementary school, we were basically kicked out. And the school shut down, and so we were online uh, for about eight weeks or so. And then when we came back in the month of June, they shut us back down in July. And so we moved our service times to an afternoon service at another church location. And at that time, I had heard that there was a church that was for sale. And uh, at that time, they were asking $2.6 million for it. And so I thought, well, maybe they'll take $1.5 million for it. <laughs> And uh, we went over there on a Sunday afternoon and began looking around and and a beautiful building and it uh, seats about 225 people and gives us five classrooms. And uh, they said, you know, what we'll do is we'll sell it for 1.7 million. And that was so far out of our budget and so far out of what we could even afford. And we just began praying and asking the Lord to show us and make clear for us what he wanted us to do. They contacted us about maybe four months ago, and said, hey, I don't know if you saw, but we lowered our price, and we, we're going to sell it for $1.2 million. And so now it's coming down. It's going the right direction. And so we met with them one more time, and, and I asked them, I said, is your, uh, is your price negotiable? And they said, make us an offer. And so I don't want to lowball them or anything like that, so I offered them $950,000. And knowing that they would laugh at that, and we make fun of that. And a couple of days later, they said, why don't you make it 975 and uh, we'll call it a deal. But the problem was we didn't have the money for it. <laughs> and so God, in the last, the last two months since April, has, has provided for our church over $325,000 for us to be able to purchase this building. And uh, if, I, if I told you all the stories, for instance, there was a man that called on April Fool's Day, April the 1st, and said, hey, I saw what you're trying to do with the building, and we want to we make a donation. 
He said, would $50,000 be okay? I said, absolutely, it's to be okay. So now it's April Fool's, you're not pulling my leg, are you? And uh, God provided it that way and so many other sources. And, and we just praise the Lord for what he's done for our church. And Lord willing, by the, the 30th of this month, we'll close on that. We'll be completely ours and we'll own that building. And uh, we're just so thankful for what God has done. And really, I, I say to you, thank you, because the last three and a half years for our church and our family, you have supported us every single month on a financial basis. And humanly speaking, our church would not be in existence had it not been for Liberty Baptist Church and other churches like you that have got behind us and supported us and prayed for us. And uh, I, I want to say to you, thank you. Uh, thank you for your investment. And there's, I'm just one representative tonight of, of really the many churches that you have supported and other missionaries that you support. But now you can see a face with a, a church name that you've generously given toward and your impact is literally being felt around the world. And so tonight I say thank you, Liberty Baptist Church, on behalf of my family and our church, for all you've done for us and your prayers and your encouragement. And coming here tonight to see your face, it's just it's an honor for our family tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, and I, I'm aware of the time and uh, aware of what you've already had to eat with the tri-tip. That was fantastic, amen? That was wonderful. And now you get your nap this evening in Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. For all this I considered in my heart, even declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all this that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good, to the unclean, to the clean, to the unclean. To him that sacrificeth, and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth, as he that feareth an oath. There is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live. And after that they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished, neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Father, tonight we love you. Hey God, as we have heard these songs tonight, we, our minds have been directed to who you are a faithful God. Lord, so many times in our life we've been unfaithful to you. We've gone our own way. But God, your goodness has run after us. Your mercy is new every single morning. And God, your faithfulness abounds even in our unfaithfulness. And Lord, I would pray now tonight as we look at your word. God, we have an open Bible in front of us this evening. What a privilege. What an honor. God, to have the eternal word of God preach to us and talk to us and God to hear it and to receive it. I would pray that, Lord, that you'd give us a mind to understand, an ear to hear, and a heart to receive the truth of God's word. And Lord, as we leave in just a few moments to go to our homes and back to our communities and to our workplaces, that we would be different because of what we hear this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Well, Sunday morning, a pastor had just finished his sermon and he had made his way to the back door to say his goodbyes to the congregation. As the people were filing through the line, he noticed in his peripheral vision that there was an elementary age boy that was just standing off to the side. The pastor, being the wise man that he was, could tell that this young boy had a question for the pastor. He shuffled his way back and forth and timidly waited to talk to the pastor of the church. As the line began to die down, that pastor walked over to that where that little boy was standing and said, Son, I've noticed that you've been standing here. I've noticed you've been wanting to talk to me. What can I help you with? Is there a question that you might have? The little boy said, Yes, Pastor, I do have a question. He said, You mentioned this morning during the message that, that we all came from dust. You also mentioned, Pastor, that when we, when we die, we, we go back to dust. The pastor said, yes, son, I said that. I said how God made us from the dust of the ground and uh, dust, uh, we return to dust when we, when we die and we decompose and all those different types of analogies. And that's what I said and that's what I'm sticking to. So what's the problem, buddy? What's the, what's the question you have? The little boy looked at the pastor and said, pastor, I was wondering if you'd be able to come to my house and look under my bed. I can't tell if somebody's coming or if somebody's going. And that's life, isn't it? We don't know oftentimes whether or not we're coming or whether or not we're going. We don't know if we're closer to the starting point or if we're closer to the finish line. And Solomon tonight in Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, he is going to address a subject that we don't like to talk about. He's going to talk about the word death and dying. One of the phrases and one of the topics that we so often in our life we try to avoid and not speak of. As a matter of fact, the word death and dying are, are, are words that we would rather not speak of. And so we come up with softer terminology, don't we? Well, we'll say things like when a person dies that they, they left us. We'll say things like they went home. And as a believer, we know what they're talking about. But I had a lady in our church recently, several months ago, who had a uh, family member that was in the church, and not in our church, but a family member that had been in all, involved in an awful automobile accident. And we were praying for her. And she said, Pastor, pray for my, for my niece. And we were praying and praying and praying. And she texted me one day and said, Pastor, she went home. Thank you for your prayers. And I didn't know if she went home, home, or if she went home, home. And so I don't know what to say. And I don't know what I said. Did she, you know, as Jesus plainly spoke in John chapter number 11, verse 14, Lazarus is dead. I don't want to ask her that. So I was in a, in a, a, a straight betwixt two, you know, what do I do? I, I finally asked her, you know, and on a Sunday morning, I, got the, I was leading up to different questions and she finally spit out the, the funeral services a couple days from now and I told her I'd be praying for her. But death is a reality. Death is something that we all deal with in this life. So why talk about death? Why, why on a Tuesday evening in Orange County at the Liberty Baptist Church in, 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 in the, uh, humanly speaking, in paradise, right? Why, why would we talk about death this evening? Why address this subject when we would come on a Tuesday night to be encouraged and, and come on a Tuesday night to be refreshed and come to hear some great truth about our Christian walk and how we can grow closer to Christ or the faithfulness of Christ and the hope that we have in Christ? Why would I talk about death this evening? 
Well, the short answer is the text talks about death. And Solomon tonight is going to show us and the reality of death, how to live life, and how we can have a life that fully matters, a life that counts, a life that's full of meaning. You know, all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is talking about that word, vanity. He's talking about that word, it means it's futile, it's meaningless. And he was a man that was on a quest to discover a purpose, to discover meaning and satisfaction in life. So he tried wealth, he tried women, he tried wine, he tried everything that you could think about under the sun, but he said life is meaningless, life is empty. Tonight, I don't want you to have a meaningless life. God doesn't want us to have a meaningless life. And really the whole theme of the book of Ecclesiastes is how we can have a life of meaning in a meaningless world. Tonight, we're going to look at living a life to the fullest. How can you and I live life to the fullest? Well, number one, we'll find in our text this evening that life, first of all, is unpredictable. Life, number one, is unpredictable. Look again at verse number one of Ecclesiastes chapter number nine. He says, for all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise in their works are in the hand of God. Look at the next phrase. Let's read the next phrase together, church. Ready, set, go. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. No man knoweth either love or hatred. So what is Solomon saying? He said, I don't know. In life, it can be unpredictable. It can be a time of love. It can be a time of hatred. Skip down to verse 11. He says this, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance or an opportunity and occurrence happeneth to them all. Verse 12, he says, For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Life is unpredictable. Life doesn't always go the way that we thought it was going to go, does it? Remember when you were young in your youth, and you think about what life was going to look like for you in your 30s, and your 40s, and your 50s, and retirement age? You thought about the nice car that you'd be driving, the happy marriage that was just perfect, the dream house, the dream job, and doing everything that you thought was going to be the, the life that brought satisfaction. But life doesn't always go that way, does it? Sometimes there's sorrows in life. Uh, sometimes there's the phone call that changes our world. Uh, sometimes there's diagnosis in our bodies that the doctor finds that makes life so unpredictable. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And Solomon is simply saying here tonight in our text of Scripture that nobody knows what life is going to lay in front of them. They don't know if it's going to be success or if it's going to be failure, if it's going to be good times or if it's going to be bad times. And Solomon is teaching us in his word this evening that life is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. Proverbs chapter number 27 and verse number 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Why? For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The Bible says in James 4, verse 13, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city, 
We'll buy and we'll sell, get gain, we'll be there for a year. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time. Here's these people, they made plans. They said, we're going to go to this city, we're going to be there for one year, 365 days, and we're going to buy and sell and get gain and have profit, and life is going to be good. But the Bible says that we don't know what shall be on the morrow. None of us know what the next 10 years hold for our lives, do we? None of us know what the next 10 months look like for our lives. None of us know what the next 10 minutes or even the next 10 seconds look like for our lives. Life is unpredictable. I preached this message to our church on a Sunday morning. And by Sunday night, a young man in our church called a young family. He said, Pastor, would you pray for our family? My cousin just took his life. Young man in his 20s that just uh, committed suicide and ended his life. But life is unpredictable. He wasn't expecting that phone call that morning. He wasn't expecting to go to a funeral later on this, uh, this upcoming week. But life is unpredictable. Remember Job in the Old Testament? A great testimony for the Lord, didn't he? Had great wealth, great riches, a great family, children, livestock and cattle and money in the bank account. But in the span of just a moment, Job's life was turned upside down. Why? Life is unpredictable. I think we learned the last year that life is unpredictable, isn't it? None of us know what the future holds. Why? Life is unpredictable. But I like what Corey Ten Boom says. She said this way. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And while our future might be unpredictable to us, while our future might look a little scary to us, and while tomorrow may not be known to us, can I say to us, church, this evening, that it's known to God. God knows what tomorrow brings. God knows what's on the horizon for our lives tomorrow. God knows what's on the horizon for this church tomorrow. God is in control of today, and God is in control of your tomorrow. Look at the Bible says in verse number one, one more time, of Ecclesiastes chapter number nine. There's a phrase there that Solomon uses that I don't want you to miss. Maybe mark it or underscore it in your Bible. He says, for all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and the works, notice that next phrase, let's say it out loud together, where it ends in the word of God, are in the hand of God. Say it one more time. Are in the hand of God. Oh, I love that verse. That's a comforting verse to me. Because there's a lot of things in life that I don't know about. There's a lot of things and pressures and problems that got me at times in my life stressed out and worked out and anxious. But the Bible says that my life and my hands and my times are in the hand of God. What a secure place, child of God, for us to rest in this evening, that we have confidence, that we have assurance, knowing that our life, our time is in the hand of a sovereign, almighty God. Amen right there. God is in control. God is sovereign. God is ruling. Our confidence is in the fact that God is in control. Your life might be out of control this evening. Your life may be in total and utter chaos. Jobs might, be, might, might not be as profitable as they once were. You might be feeling like a failure as a parent. You might be feeling like you're failing in your marriage. You might be feeling like you're failing in your ministry and your service to the Lord. You might be worried about a, a report from the doctor that's coming up. You might be worried about the finances and the pressures of this day and age that we live in. 
But can we redirect our attention this morning upward and see and know that God is in control? That God is in control. The Bible says in Psalm 89 and verse number 13, Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. God is in control. So when we see that life is unpredictable, when we see that life at times can be changed in moments, we can rest as God's children, knowing with great confidence and great assurance that God is in control. There's that song that we used to sing that says this, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine for its skies may turn to gray. Well, I don't worry or the future for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him for he knows what lies ahead. He says many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. Oh, but I know who holds tomorrow. Oh, and I know he holds my hand. Amen. God is leading and God is in control and God, God is working in our lives this evening. So when life is unpredictable, rest in the, in the truth, the reality that God is in control. Look at the second thought this evening, no hurry. Not only is life unpredictable, but death is unavoidable. Look at verse number two. All things come alike to all. There is one event, I believe in the context what Solomon is talking about here, that one event that he's speaking of is that event of, called death. To the righteous, to the wicked, to the good, the unclean, the clean, to him that sacrificed and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth, that he that feareth an oath. There is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. There is one event to all, yea, also the heart the sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. The dead. Solomon is talking about death. And what he's saying here tonight is this, that you cannot avoid death. Some of us have a habit of being late to meetings, don't we? I think human nature is that we like to procrastinate on things that we don't enjoy doing. My wife's been on me to do some repairs around the house. And I promised I'd get it done four years ago. <laughs> but I'm not a handyman. I have a Phillips head screwdriver and a flat head screwdriver, and that's about it, my tool. And she wants me to put shiplap up in the house. She went to Magnolia recently, and I could thank Chip and Joanna Gaines for that one. I don't know how to do all that kind of stuff. I don't want to learn. I don't want to watch YouTube and figure it out. I've got other things in my life I've got to worry about. But I put it off. I avoid it. Well, I, don't want, I don't enjoy doing it. Maybe tonight you go home and there's a pile of dishes that are waiting for you in the sink. And you came to church thinking well, they'll just magically clean themselves while you were gone. Paying that credit card bill. You're waiting to the very last minute hoping that the rapture would take place. We procrastinate. We put off doing those things that we don't want to do. And then we make excuses, or excuse, we give reasons why we can't do it, right? I just got busy. I don't know how to do it. I want to take the time to learn how to do it. But Solomon says, listen, there's nothing that you can't avoid. You can't avoid this one. You can't, you can't excuse this one away, buddy. It, it happens to everybody. It happens to the rich, the poor, 
If it happens to people that are good and people that are bad, death's coming. We are all on a collision course for death, aren't we? Death is not an accident, it's, it's an appointment. That's why the Bible says, Hebrews chapter number 9, it's appointed to men once to die and after this, the judgment. We have an appointment. And that's an appointment that we're not going to be late for. I like what one actor said. He said it this way. He said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. But guess what? We're all going to be there when it happens, aren't we? We can't avoid it. We can't go around it. Can't escape it. It's going to happen. So death is unavoidable. Life is unpredictable. Let me give you the third thought this evening. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 7, if we could. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 and verse number 7. If you stay in the graveyard too long, you get depressed, don't you? If you think about death too long, you can lead to discouragement or despair. Look at the verse number 7. He says this, go thy way. Stop thinking about life being unpredictable. Stop living from this standpoint that you can't avoid this reality of death. Go your way. In light of what I've just told you, that death is coming and life is unpredictable, our living should now be affected. The reality of death to change how we live. And that's why he says here in this text, go your way. Don't stay here. Don't dwell on the fact that life is unpredictable. Don't dwell here that you're going to die someday. You go your way. And you live, out, live life to the fullest. Live life to the max. Live life to the extreme. He says, go your way. Eat thy bread with joy. And drink thy wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white. And let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life, of thy vanity, which hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life. And in thy labor which thou hast taken to the sun. Verse 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Solomon says there's four things that we need to do to live life to the fullest. There's four things that we need to, to do to, to understand that we live life to the max. Live a life that's pleasing the Lord. Live a life that's glorifying to God. Live a life that's not preoccupied with simply dying and living and living a life that's so unpredictable. He says, I want you to do some things in your life that are going to help you live a life that's totally full. And the first one he says is this. He says, first of all, I want you to live life to the fullest by living thankfully. Live thankfully. Where does it say that? You say, Pastor Tim. Look at verse number 7 one more time. He says, go your way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart. Now this is Solomon writing. And Solomon was a man that had a feast every single day of his life. You can read about it in the book of, book of Kings where the, the portion of meat that came to his house every single day was a, was a massive feast. But he says, I want you to enjoy bread and wine, the very simple things that every Jewish person would have enjoyed every single day of their life. It wasn't a fancy meal. It wasn't a, it wasn't a banquet. It was just a, the, the basic necessity of life. Gather around your family, he says. As you've been out all day working the field, and as you've been apart from another, gather around that mealtime and enjoy the fellowship with food and with family and live thankfully for what's in front of you on your table. 
You know, so oftentimes in our life, we as God's people, we can, we can become so self-centered that we, we think that we're owed and deserve something more. Or we're not thankful for what God has given to us. The very, the very little things that Solomon says, such as food and family, be thankful for that. So oftentimes in our life, we complain about everything, don't we? We're like the children of Israel that get fed by the hand of God every single day of their lives. And they complain and murmur against God and say, all we have is this manna that God providentially, miraculously provided them every single day of their lives. But live thankfully. Paul said this way, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Oh, give thanks in the Lord for he is good. You want to live a life to the fullest? Live a thankful life. Look for the things that God has done in your life that are good, that you can praise him for. Be thankful for every, 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 every meal that you have, every, every clothes on your back and shoes on the feet, your family, your friends, your church. Be thankful. Don't go through life looking for what you don't have. Go through life thanking God for what you do have. You want a life to the fullest? Be a thankful person. Complaining people and griping people are never happy. They're never satisfied. They're never content. You want to live a life that's full? Be thankful. But he says, secondly, verse 8, live intentionally. Live intentionally. What do I mean by that? He says, verse number 8, let thy garments be always white and thy head lack no ointment. In the Bible days, white was rarely, if ever, worn. White was, a, was reserved for a special occasion like a wedding or what we would say an anniversary dinner, a graduation service or something like that. They lived in the dirty, dusty roads and those, that white garment would get filthy. Sanitation wasn't the best in the Bible days. And so white was not a, 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 something that they would wear every single day. It was reserved for a time of celebration. And that ointment that he's talking about would be that you think about the New Testament where the alabaster box was used and a young Jewish girl would often only get one of those boxes during her lifetime, oftentimes reserved for just a wedding day. But Solomon says, listen, let your your garments always be white. Let you you always have that sweet-smelling fragrance aroma about yourself. You know, tonight in our life, maybe you think about how you've gotten dressed up for a wedding or something special like that. But Solomon says, make every day special. Make every day a cause for celebration. Make every day a cause for rejoicing. Don't look for something that's in the future, that, a vacation or, or, or a promotion from the job or, or, or a wedding or a graduation. He says, make every single day of your life a special, joyous occasion to celebrate and to rejoice. I mean, every day doesn't have to be a home run. Sometimes it's good to get on base with a bunt. Enjoy it. Live joyfully, live intentionally. The Bible says in Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So live intentionally, live thankfully, live joyfully. Look at verse number nine. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. Live joyfully. You know, I saw, it's kind of funny to me that the man that had over a thousand women in his life is going to give marriage advice. But nonetheless, he's going to give it to us. Hey, live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. Live joyfully. I think this is obviously speaking about the context of marriage, but we could apply it to every relationship of life. And 
living joyfully. You know, husbands, let's stop complaining about our wives. Let's stop trying to change her and change him and so on and so forth. And why don't we live joyfully with the one that God has given to us? If God has given you a wife, God has given you a husband, why don't we live joyfully with the one that God has blessed us with? And praise and thank God that anybody would marry us. Live joyfully. God, thank you for the spouse that you give me. Thank you for my children. God, thank you for every, every relationship of life that you've blessed me with. Go home, husbands, and love your wife. Wives, go home and love your husbands. This is life that's full of satisfaction. This is living life to the fullest. And then lastly, number, number, verse number 10, he says, live passionately. Live passionately. You want to live life to the fullest? Live joyfully, live thankful, live intentionally, but live passionately. He says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with thy might. Give it your best. Be passionate about it. Whatever it is that you find your hand doing, Solomon says, give it your best effort. Give it your passion. Give it your energy. Give it your enthusiasm. But what would it look like on Sunday morning? If a crowd of worshipers came, and we came to worship our God passionately, what if the words are on the screen and we talk about Christ being our living hope was not merely words on the screen, but an expression of our heart of praise to who he is. And if the open heart and praise, we lifted our voice to the one that is worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise. And our focus was not on how long the pastor was going to preach. And how much longer, how many points does he have? But Lord, we're in your presence and God, your word is open. God, give me something today. And we served the Lord in the nursery and the kids class and the programs. And we saw the investment that we were making. And you said, God, you've blessed me with the opportunity to serve you in my life at this time period. Lord, I want to serve you passionately. Whatever it is that you want me to do. Teenagers, if you have a young person, you're in school this upcoming fall, do it passionately. College-age students, live it passionately. In our parenting, dads, be a passionate father. Be a present father. Love your children. Hold them close. And invest in their lives. And mom, be a passionate mother. What a great calling that you have in your life to be a wife and mother. Be a passionate one. In your work tomorrow, show up and be passionate about it. People are think, what's wrong with you, man? It's only Wednesday. We're supposed to be moping through Wednesday. So I got the joy of the Lord, man. I get to have a job that pays the bills. God's so good to me, and I'm going to give my best effort today. Live a life of passion. Do it passionately. Whatever it is that you do, Solomon says, do it passionately. So life is unpredictable. Death is unavoidable. We're to live life to the fullest by living passionately. Living joyfully, living intentionally, living thankfully. I believe those four thoughts tonight can really transform our life how we live. Yeah, we're going to die, we know that. So we can be depressed and discouraged about it. We can live in a bubble wrap the rest of our life. Or tonight and tomorrow and this week, we can have the joy of the Lord in our hearts. We can live thankfully. We can live intentionally, making every moment matter for eternity. And we can be a passionate, passionate person that does everything for the honor and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.